I'm Hannah. And I'm Tori. And this is Wait Wait, Why. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Wait Why. This week we have a bit more of a serious topic, but it's going to be super informative, we hope. It's going to be probably a little hard for us not to get opinionated here and there, um, but we're going to do our best to, you know, deliver the facts and all that. So that's what we're looking forward to today. But first, as always, some life updates. As always. Tori, what's going on? Um, So I was in Tampa last weekend. You know, because I saw you. Yay! <laughs> um, we recorded a little bit of bonus content, so that was fun. I love our bonus episodes. They're so fun to do. Agreed. Um, so we fun. literally just sit down and turn on our mics and chat. So It was actually time. hilarious because we were uh, in my kitchen, like, having a conversation, and I was like, wait, why aren't we recording this right now? And then Tori was like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Just save it for the podcast. <laughs> Don't say another word. This is good content. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of times when we're hanging out, we're just like relaxing or we're sleep deprived or we're just like being like goofy. And so the times that we have actually good content, I'm like, save it. We have to yeah. save it. Yeah, for real. We can be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> especially when we're in a place that we can record because a lot of times we're out true yeah 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 very true so it's good stuff but mm-hmm. yeah I'm so happy you came through this weekend how was time with your sister my sister <laughs> <laughs> um it was good I hung out with her and her boyfriend a lot so I got to spend more time with him which I haven't really spent a lot of time with him just like went out to eat a couple times so it was nice to just yeah get to know him a little bit more um and then we one of her friend her best friend one of her best friends it was her birthday and so we all went out and did a brunch um which I haven't done like a brunch in so long I was probably just since say, COVID actually uh I did a brunch back in like March maybe it well, was like, a drag brunch it was really cool actually oh um, really that does sound fun they closed down actually since that happened, which is crazy because they seemed like pretty popular. I mean, I will tell you their food was terrible. It was all about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Where was this at? Uh, downtown St. Pete. Uh, the name of the place was the Iber- Iberian Iberian Rooster. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good time, but yeah, they closed since then. Dang. Yeah, there was Hamburger Mary's. In Riverside, and I believe they closed as well in Jacksonville. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure COVID didn't help a lot of those places. No. Um, but how was brunch? Like, how was the food? How was the vibe? Like, the food was actually pretty good. The whole table did bottomless mim- mimosas. Love and, that. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Um, but the waiter was, like, pretty nice. He was pretty on top of it. He, like, actually hooked it up a little bit kept them coming so that was nice um but yeah the food was decent too oh good um were you in a was it a pretty big group yeah I think there was like 12 to 15 oh okay wow yeah I was wondering how many people were there and wait what was the name of the place you guys went to thirsty first thirsty first Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it was good I do like it though (laughs) all I'm thinking of is in Jacksonville there was a place, Ruby Beach, mm-hmm. and before that, it was Zeta. 
Oh, okay, yeah. And they did bottomless mimosas, and they would, like, literally mix it in, like, a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> wow. Honestly, I thought they were they were terrible mimosas. Like, they smelled unhygienic. They smelled like they came from a bucket. Yeah, exactly. But I do appreciate when, like, restaurants will do other mimosas outside of just orange juice. Like yeah. So mimosas, anything like that. Yeah, I agree. That is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was good. And then hung out with Lauren for a little bit. And then we hung out. We recorded some bonus episodes. We went out on Hannah's boat. Yay. Tori is the first friend to go out on our boat. Like we've had it for since April. And I haven't taken any of my friends out yet. So Tori was the first one. I'm honored. What a privilege. It was a really nice day out. It was. But there weren't a lot of people on the water, which was nice. Like, it, yeah. was, it was a really great time. We also went at, like, 5 o'clock on a Sunday. Saturday. 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 Yeah, it was, like, a little later in the day. Oh, we saw a good amount of dolphins. It was a nice boat ride. It was really nice. I haven't been on a boat in so long, so it just made my day. I love being out in the water. Yeah. Yeah, it is always nice to get out. It was a little bumpy, though. I could not stop laughing when we were going over those bumps. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Hannah, we both had drinks, and it's pretty bumpy, and we're sitting in the bow, and we're both, like, trying to drink these (laughs) our cans, and it was literally, like, us just shaking, like, our mouths. Yeah, I it got to the point where I spilled so much. I was like, "This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. I don't even want to drink this anymore." I was just dying laughing at us trying to take a drink. Like there was no way. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny! But yeah, that was a good time. Um, mm-hmm. What else has been going on in general? Any anything new, like job updates or? Um, I'm still waiting. Did I? I think I mentioned that I applied to a couple jobs in the last episode. Um, So basically, this week is actually a really busy week for me. So I have my finals due for my final classes before I start my master's thesis. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a lot to do on that front, um, but all very exciting. And then I'll start my master's thesis, which is a four-month-long process. And while I'm doing that, I'll also be getting a job. So I've been applying. So a lot going on. Um, But also... Outside of that, I have also submitted my final class for my yoga certification. So I'll hopefully hear back from that soon. Yay. Um, yeah, just it's nice to see things kind of coming towards completion, especially after putting in a lot of hard work. So I finally kind of all see it coming together. It's been really exciting. And also it's just exciting to have options mm. to like re-enter. Because I, you know, like I had my career. And then I took a break and went back to school, and now I'm going back into the field. And so it's exciting to have those options again and to really be flexible on, like, where I want to live. And it's just it's nice, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's an exciting time when, you know, the world is your oyster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, again, like, busy, but it was really nice to catch up with friends this weekend. And now to jump back into work. Um, but yeah, what's what's going on with you, Hannah? 
what has been going on with me? Well, I love, I love how we're just like, what a surprising question. We right. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> okay, seriously, though, what has been going on with me? And see, that's the thing is I genuinely don't think about it beforehand. Uh, you um, have a potentially new client. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got um new job offer. So I haven't really responded yet. But yeah, another writing opportunity. It's about very vaguely. It's about like solar panels and sustainability. They just want me to write an article or something like that. I need to look at the details still. But yes, that is exciting. Um, really, yeah, it's really cool opportunity. But I will say my job with the Smithsonian got extended a little bit. Um, cause we still have some work to do. So that's also pretty cool. Cause I do love working for them slash with them. So that is going to be going on for a couple more weeks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Things have been pretty chill. I feel like I've spent the most time like sequentially in Florida for the last like month. Cause the last time I left town was mother's day, which was like May 9th. Yeah. And I've been home since, which is, like, a long period of time for me not to go anywhere. So I feel like things have been really, like, steady and chill in a good mm-hmm. way. Just more yeah. in a routine here. Oh, I started going back um, to bar classes, um, which is – if you don't know what bar class is, it's B-A-R-R-E, bar. Um, and it's – the best way to describe it is, like, it's a combination of yoga, Pilates, and ballet. But it's, it is actually very difficult and previously when I've done bar, I've been in the best shape of my life. So I finally got some motivation to start working out again and I'm back. Yeah. And like the classes make me so happy. There's something about when you're in a workout class and being in a room and like everyone's in sync and like, I don't know, there's something so inspiring or like powerful about mm-hmm. that. Like it just gives me a really good feeling. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually just did a psycho class this past weekend too right um, for the first time in a while and it was so nice I completely agree it's just nice to have that connection you know right and be able to connect with other people but like while doing your own thing and I feel like I just feed off of other people's energy in the room right right and the way this psycho class was set up it's great it feeds my competitive nature um <laughs> but basically you're assigned a bike and then they project your stats up onto TV screens in the room. And so throughout the class, they'll show you your ranking. Um, and I don't know, I love it because like you also get to compete with yourself because they'll send you your stats at the end of the class, like your mileage, how many calories you burned, what oh, your that's nice. power was. Um, and then the next time you go, you can try and beat those records, but also to like you're competing within the class. Um, yeah, it's just a great workout. And it was so great to be back with, in a studio, first of all, but also just with like-minded people who enjoy working out. Yeah, I don't think I realized how much I missed actually like being in a studio. And you know me, I'm not big on working out. So it's great that I'm back to these classes because it's one of like the few ways I really enjoy getting exercise. So Yeah, definitely. Plus, it feels so good walking out of the class, like half completing it. Oh, I know. Oh, I will say though, so the last time I took bar classes was while I was living in D.C., and so, you know, it would be, like, so hot from the workout, and you'd go outside, and it feels so good. But here, mm-hmm. it's, like, I'm dreading walking out the door because I know it's just going to be hotter. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I went to the cycle class, I got into my car, and it was 
97 degrees. Ugh, no. I was like, the last thing I want to do right now is get into a hot closed room and sweat. Yeah, exactly. It's ugh, it's a little rough, but still love the workouts. Yeah. Um, well, after when I do hot yoga and I walk outside afterwards and it feels cool out, that's when you know. Yeah. How hot the hot yeah. is. Exactly. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um so oh one last one last thing I will say um is this episode will be coming out on June sixteenth, which is just ten days out from the one year anniversary of my mom passing. Um and the biggest reason I mention this is because also, by the time this episode comes out, is we, my family, um, we're going to host a fundraiser through, like, June 16th through about the end of July. Um, and it's kind of to, well, it is definitely to celebrate my mom and the funding will go to the American Heart Association. And, you know, over the next month or so, it's the anniversary of her passing and her funeral, but also um, her birthday her birth month so we thought it'd be like a really good way to like think about her and honor her over the next month you know while she's on our minds a lot so that's something exciting we've had in the works over here and you know it means a lot to me to be able to like do that and launch that super soon yeah absolutely I love that I didn't know you guys were doing that yeah and yeah. that's a great way to just like you said honor her but to keep the memory of her alive right right mm-hmm. so that is happening soon and also because like because of the anniversary coming up um my grandma and i think my brother he's had some bad 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 car luck lately so we'll see but both of them are set to come here um on monday the 21st so that's always so nice to have family around Oh, for sure. My grandma hasn't, like, traveled out of Ohio since 2019, so I think she'll really enjoy, you know, a little break from the house. A little retreat. Right, right. So, yeah, that's what's going on up in Mm -hmm. here. And we forgot one very exciting part of news. Um, We have a new logo. Oh, yeah. I don't know if y'all know But you guys probably already know. Our actual covers, if you're watching this or listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're really excited. We've also got some other fun things in the works. So just stay tuned and definitely let us know what you guys think. We love to hear your opinions. So just um, yeah. email us or just send us a message on Instagram. We love hearing your guys' thoughts. Yeah, for sure. We're pretty excited about the logo. So like if we miss the mark and we're like lit about it, you got to let us know. Okay. <laughs> Bring us back down. Yeah, yeah, humble us if we need to be. (laughs) All right, so we're going to jump into our topic today, which, um, like I mentioned in the beginning, a little bit more serious, but very important. We're going to be talking about why slash what is Juneteenth. Um, I think last year, especially in light of... um, the killing of George Floyd and the reinvigorating of the Black Lives Matter movement, Juneteenth kind of came more to the public eye than I feel it ever had been before. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to dive in and like understand why this day is important and, you know, just be taught. I mean, I think 
we've mentioned this on the podcast before in other realms, but discussion about topics is one of the best ways to like deal with it and educate. Like that's always so important. So that's what we're kind of here to do today, not just for you guys, but for us as well. We definitely did a lot of learning um, getting ready for this. So so a little background on June te- Juneteenth. Um, so if you guys don't know, it's the combination of June and is the original one is on the 18th. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first one. Um, I No, I think it was the 19th. 19th. Okay. So just com- combining June and 19th. To give you Juneteenth. Um, it also goes by other names as well. If you see those referred through out history as well. But basically, June 19th this year, we do celebrate Juneteenth, which falls on a Saturday, and it signifies the annual celebration of the end of slavery in the United States. Um, and Hannah and I have talked a lot about this as well. Like Hannah said, it's definitely gaining momentum. Um, more people are becoming informed about what Juneteenth is. But I will say I never learned about Juneteenth that I can remember throughout my high school education. Yeah, definitely not. Um, And I feel like the other event that was super recent that we should also bring up that I think we also said, we both said we didn't learn in high school was the uh, Tulsa massacre, Mm -hmm. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was the biggest... um, like racial type cleansing almost uh, in American history, uh, which just happened. Um, Yeah. I need to ask my stepdad about this because he lived in Oklahoma and grew up there. And so I want to hear his recounts of it as well, or if it was ever talked about in the school setting either. Right. Right. Um, So the Tulsa massacre was in June of 1921 and um, there was a thriving district business area um, in Tulsa, and it was actually like a black neighborhood. And it was even referred to as like Black Wall Street. Yeah. Um, and it was just cleansed, basically. Like people mobbed, came in and just... Yeah, and I hate using the word cleanse, too, because that signifies that something was, like, you know, dirty or right. not right. Like, it was a massacre. Right. So that was – that's also something that I think is being recognized more often. I do remember – like, I learned about this prior to Juneteenth. Like, I've known about this for a, a bit longer. Yeah, I I want to say, honestly, both of them – we're probably around the same time, like Juneteenth and the Tulsa oh, yeah. where I learned about them around the same time. I mean, well, in terms of hearing about them. Right. Um, and I think that their recognition also started to become more popular around the same time as well, um, just from my perspective and how I experienced things. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what we did learn in high school, you know, what we learned and what most people probably were taught is that Abe Lincoln with the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 effectively ended slavery. Yay. No, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Um, Slavery continued to be overlooked in the state of Texas until 1865. And on June 19th, 1865, um, slavery officially ended in the state of Texas. And that was the true effective end of slavery. Like all um, the slaves were officially freed 
once mm-hmm. those slaves were emancipated yeah. as well. And I find this really interesting too, because here we have the Emancipation Proclamation. It was issued in 1863, like Hannah said, but the official recognition of the termination of slavery was until 1865. And Texas pretty much got the credit for this. Um, and a lot of history and a lot of textbooks um, made Texas out to be the first state in slavery, um, when in reality, it took several years to get to that point, And they were the ones who had overlooked the Emancipation Proclamation to begin with. Right. Yeah, so it is a big process of change. Um, but going back to June 19th, um, the reason, well, I think the reason is a little bit obvious why we would celebrate but um specifically um some of the freed men organized a celebration that would become annual um a celebration of freedom and that is where june 19th or juneteenth was really born um and then in 1979 texas made this an official holiday so they were one of the first and um, lots of states have followed suit, and I believe it is in the works to become a federal holiday as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's been like a bill introduced mm-hmm. for that. Um, and you know what's really interesting that I've heard people argue in the last year is that um, we actually shouldn't celebrate the 4th of July as Independence Day because everyone in America wasn't free until June 19th. Right. 1865. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. I don't know that I 100% agree. I just think it's very interesting to think about that context and the fact that July 4th does not represent the freedom of everyone. Right. I think it's definitely something worth remembering and serving as a reminder. Um, I definitely agree, especially because the first Independence Day was in 1776. Right. So this is almost 100 years later. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so that is an interesting thought line to think about. Um, So we were, like, the question that could not stop coming to our heads, like, looking at June 19th, the Tulsa Massacre, is, like, why, like, why didn't we learn this in school? Mm -hmm. You know, and, I mean, I do think history has been a bit whitewashed. Um, Most history authors are white males. I actually did find um, a statistic on that. So yeah, and then so Texas made it an official holiday and the uh, rest of the states, including Washington, D.C., followed suit. Right. Um, and this actually really a really side note, um, but when Hannah and I went to South Africa, we did a walking tour about the apartheid in, mm. in South Africa. Um, and so random, but just a couple quick facts that I wanted to bring up. Um, while on the walking tour, first of all, our guide was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And um, he did it for free, right? Yeah, it was free. You just tipped at the end. Wait, really quick before you go into the actual important things we learned. We saw an albino squirrel. And those are like super, super, super rare on this walking tour. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I actually totally forgot about that. Do you remember that though? That was yes, pretty I, wild. I remember now. I remember, yeah. Anyway, important, important things. The important things. The important things you learned on this walking tour. Let's get back to that. Oh, I love it. We're like so, so truly 
the scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. Anyways, outside of the albino squirrel. um, So a couple quick things. The song Purple Rain actually came from a protest that happened in South Africa during the apartheid. Um, They... There was a giant protest through town square and basically the police had battled the protesters constantly and were finding new ways to identify them because once the police showed up, protesters would just run because at that point it was illegal. Um, And so the police decided that they were going to spray protesters with a giant hose that was dyed purple. So that way they could identify them later and imprison them right? or jail them. And so that's where the song Purple Rain came from. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. I love I love that fact. Um, Yes, there's a lot more meaning behind that song. Um, And then also, secondly, the apartheid ended in 1995. Yeah, which is wild to me. That was the year that we were both born. Um, But it's crazy that it went on for so long. So I think that when we talk about American history, it's also good to put in perspective the rest of the world as well. Right. But you know what I will say, though, is like segregation didn't end until like the 60s. That was not that long ago still. Yeah. Which is is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, in some ways, it's not surprising we still have systemic racism because it's not that far in the past still. Mm -hmm. And when I think about systemic issues, whether it's sexism, racism, like anything, um, it's always interesting how long it takes for us to like in a way evolve out of that those systemic beliefs oh Um, yeah so a lot of times I have to remind myself that because when I look at these issues they seem so overwhelming but when you look at how ingrained they are systemically right a little bit more sense and I have to be a little bit more understanding of okay things aren't just going to happen overnight and change overnight Absolutely. Um, it's change is all a process um, yeah. when it comes to these issues. Absolutely. And the Huffington Post, it's an article called Men Write History, But Women Live It. Um, it says that 75.8% of America's most popular recent history books um, found the vast majority, 75.8%, were written by men. Yeah. And the issue with that, too, is that when we write especially history books, only recounting from a single perspective, we're only learning that single perspective. So not only is it, okay, you're writing the history book, but it's also you're being select. Usually it results in being selective about the facts you present, the sides of the story you're telling, um, the perspective you're bringing. So it's not necessarily like if you're qualified for the job, that's great. But there is some overlay with your background and how you've learned things throughout history and how you're going to write that textbook and share those. Right. So if we have, I mean, this is like with anything, the more voices that you have, um, the more experience you're going to be able to bring and the more diverse education you're going to be able to provide. Um, And like Hannah was saying, a lot of history has been whitewashed and it only is offering a single perspective when like science and a lot of other um fields history is supposed to be objective right so there was a pretty big initiative um that was launched by the new york times um called the 1619 project 
The author is Nicole Hannah-Jones. She's a African-American, American journalist, African-American, American. Don't know why I said that twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she's a journalist who did a big bulk of uh, this project. And what the 1619 Project is, um, is a bit of like a reframing of U.S. history such that instead of starting in whatever year Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Um, 42. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> would We would reframe history to look at U.S. history starting in 1619, which is when slaves first arrived on American soil. It just puts into perspective, like, more Black history, basically. Okay, wait, sorry, can you restate that? So the nineteen sixty or sorry, the sixteen nineteen project would rewrite history to begin at sixteen nineteen. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I, I my only thing though is that Native American history is also equally as important. Right. Yeah. No, I do not I don't doubt that at all. I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean I think what you like like you said, I think it's just offering that perspective, the mindset from the first time, okay, we have history written right now from the first time white settlers colonized the United States, but we also need that history perspective of African-Americans arriving on American soil in their journey. Right. Okay. This one oh, here. I'll read this exact quote from the New York Times. Um, the goal of the 1619 Project is to reframe American history by considering what it would mean to regard 1619 as our nation's birth year. Doing so requires us to place the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans at the very center of the story we tell ourselves about who we are as a country. Yeah, Yeah, I think that offers definitely a little bit more insight. Yeah, so, um, and then it said, so the year 1619, because in August of that year, um, a ship arrived at a coastal port in Virginia, and it carried um, a little over 20 enslaved Africans and they were sold to the colonists so that was like the first um those were the first slaves that reached the country um and that's why they picked that year to start reframing from gotcha there's honestly so much of American history that I have either forgotten or I just haven't learned right and you know what the thing is about like how I remember learning slavery and about slavery in school is that like they were treated well and like lived in homes together and like were fed like it wasn't that bad yeah I feel like oftentimes and like I understand maybe there's some discomfort that comes along with teaching because a lot of like people internalize American history as like a direct right reflection on themselves when that isn't the case um but i like i understand that perspective but like you said like there are a lot of times when lectures are given and the facts are given but then there's also this like need to be like oh but in some cases slaves actually uh married their masters or in some cases right um, they were actually treated really well or they helped them escape or in some cases they bought their freedom you know yeah and, like, that's great, but also it minimizes the yeah. impacts at the same time, you know? Right, and those cases were, like, more the few and far between, so why are we highlighting that? Right, like, it it downplays it. 
Absolutely. You actually found this like great quote about kind of explaining why things in the classroom are sort of the way they are. Did you want to read that? Do you think that's what yeah. it is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like, like we first asked in the beginning of this podcast why this wasn't taught throughout our high school. And this kind of gives a little bit more background. So economic and culture forces led to a decline in Juneteenth activities in participants begin- beginning in the early 1900s. Um, so there's kind of this like wavy trend where Juneteenth was more recent. So people were acknowledging it. It just happened. Right. And so there was a lot of reason for celebration. And then that trend dipped down a little bit after the 1900s. And then recently it's going up again, Um, especially like Hannah said, with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, even beginning in 2012, when we had a lot of these initial shootings uh, by police officers. Right. And so Classrooms and textbook education in lieu of traditional home and family taught practices stifled the interest of youth due to less emphasis and detail on the lives of former slaves. Classroom textbooks proclaimed Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation as of January 1st, 1863, as the date signifying the ending of slavery. Um, and they mentioned the little impact of General Granger's arrival on June 19th. Yeah. So, so just to clarify that, General Granger was the person who arrived and. Um, I forget which I think it was Galveston um, where like he enforced that ending of slavery basically in, in Texas yeah yeah he was the one who was in Texas in 1865 who like made sure that the freedom of the slaveries was enforced the freedom of the slave freeing of the slaves um, um, just to clarify who that is because we didn't really mention that no I'm glad you did um, so yeah I feel like that is it's interesting how it like lost momentum like that. I, I still kind of, okay, economic and cultural forces. That makes sense because as I mentioned, it's still from the time of this freedom of slaves um, in 1865, it was still like a hundred years until segregation ended. So like, I'm sure a lot of these cultural forces that um, stifled Juneteenth activities were probably systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when people are scared to celebrate something, um, especially when it's still going on and still occurring, not not slavery, but segregation, segregation yeah. um, just inequality. Like there's definitely an impact on that historic remembrance. And it's sad too, because that culture gets lost, especially outside of those being affected. Right. You know? so, like you might feel safe to celebrate Juneteenth with your family, but not to voice that, you know? Right. Yeah. You like don't. You just don't hear about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I was just going to say that after, you know, since we have been talking a lot about why we didn't learn and all that, um, going back to the 1619 project and this reframing project that the New York Times kind of worked on um, is it's pretty well developed at this point and it's lawmakers and people in the school curriculum are interested in teaching aspects of the 1619 project which has been a fairly big topic circulating around the news here and there lately um and actually just a couple days ago like what was it three four days ago now yeah something like that the florida board of education decided to ban the pro like the prospect of teaching the 1619 project in school and 
quote from Governor Ron DeSantis is he says it's because systemic racism isn't real. Yeah. And so he doesn't think it should be taught, which gives I have a lot of feelings and opinions about that. Yeah, which is actually ridiculous because I don't know. In denying that there's no systemic issue, it's like in a way discrediting history. Yeah, like so here you are trying to voice and advocate for the specific style of history, right? Which like we what we do today is built off of history, it's built off of our traditions, our culture. And so to acknowledge that in one area and deny it in the other, it's very hypocritical and honestly the logic just isn't adding up there. Yeah. Yeah. And also like first of all, I don't think I personally do not believe that there's a debate as to whether or not systemic racism exists or not. But regardless, it's still history. Like history is history, so why can't it just be taught? Yeah. And like you know I mean? no, absolutely. I, I know exactly what you mean. Like <clears throat> history is the occurrence of events, right? And it's not the teaching of fact. Right. You know, like <laughs> In that case, like you could even, I don't know, it's just like, for example, with like modern medicine, right? Um, so like we didn't, back in the day, we didn't know what germs were. Um, and so we did different practices. There was different logic and reasoning behind how diseases spread that were not accurate, but those are still taught because that's history, right? So it doesn't have to be truthful. It's just a recounting of that time. And so... Yeah, I just don't think the logic is there on that one. Um, but I mean, that's a whole tangent that we can go down. Right. Whole whole. Um, I do want to briefly mention just the education system, because like Hannah said, the Florida Board of Education basically denied the teaching of systemic racism. And they actually use a terminology. And I don't remember it, Hannah, do you? We'll have to, we'll have to look that up. Um, but yeah, there was like a, a three-word phrase that they kept using continuously oh, throughout. Critical race theory. Yes, critical race theory. Wow. Okay. Critical race theory. Duh. <laughs> I'm like, there's a phrase. No, just like a really big, well-known theory. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, anyways, um, that's basically they deny the teaching of the critical race theory. And so, how the education system works? Um, because I was curious because when we're talking about this, like what does it really take to get these events talked about in our history class, right? So to give a little bit of background, and this is specific to Florida just because that's where we live, and I'm sure it's different, obviously, state to state, but textbooks are reviewed on a five-year adoption cycle. So more why this was so important is that between 2019 and 2020, this adoption year, reviewers would focus on world language, career, and technical education, and computer science. And then 2020 to 2021, they focus on English, language arts, and then the topics rotate on a year basis. So that's why it ends up working out being every five years. Um, so the next topics to commence are mathematics, social studies, which aka history, right. um, and science. And so this is the year we're coming into. So that's why this decision was so important because this would have had the opportunity to implement it right away rather than waiting five years down the alone down the road right yeah disappointing yeah that is very disappointing and I know that the, this is like something that's going on on I don't want to say a federal level because I don't know that's accurate but I know that the debate 
is going on in multiple states about whether or not to adopt this curriculum. And uh, I do think that a lot of states are pushing to ban it is the reality. Yeah. Um, So it's just another interesting thing we'll have to see play out. But I do think regardless of what happens right now, I do see that the way history is taught will change at some point in the future. Yeah, I hope so. And especially with the rise um, of events, you know, that bring attention to it. It's just like, it's crazy to me that like it took me being in college or doing advanced education, you know, being like older on my own to actually learn this stuff. Yeah. Um, It's disappointing. And like, especially as like a black person, weird to feel like I don't even know like my own history mm-hmm. yeah yeah and honestly yeah yeah we could go on for so long and I know that we're coming close on time here um but hopefully that gives you guys listening a little bit just an introduction of Juneteenth and um we'll hopefully link some good resources on here yeah for you sure guys some further education um, was there anything else that you wanted to add, Hannah? Um, I don't think so. I mean, no, I feel like we covered everything I kind of had on my mind. Um, yeah. Like you said, we could go on and on about this topic. Um, but obviously, yeah. if you guys happen to have any thoughts or if we said something wrong and you want to fact check us, like anything yeah. like that, reach out Instagram at Wait Why Podcast. Our email is waitwhypodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or just keep up wherever you listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did want to say, add really quickly too, when you mentioned that first statistic earlier about what was it, 75.8% of textbooks are written by men? Yeah. Um, so I went to my high school's website and they actually post their textbooks approved textbooks on there and I didn't have time to go through all of them they have them all through k through 12 um, but I did look at the most recent the AP courses and of the AP um, there were nine different books that they allowed and within those nine books there were 19 authors and only six were female which is about 30 percent so that works out to be roughly 70% men. Wow, so that, yeah. Again, just backs up that, reiterates that statistic you said earlier. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have time to look up the author's demographics or anything, or even if I could. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting to provide kind of a, a real world example. Yeah, good research on that, Tori. I'm so. glad you did that. That is definitely insightful. Mm-hmm. And then I also... This is a side note. Um, it's not directly related to Juneteenth, but um, there is a book that provides a lot of insight into systemic sexism. Um, and again, in sexism and racism go hand in hand, especially when we look at the intersections of them. Right. Um, but Invisible Woman is a great book to read. It's literally loaded with facts. Um, and it, it's a great book to give you a little bit of insight behind a systemic issue. So again, that can cross over to racism as well. Um, but it is by Caroline Perez. Awesome. Yeah, I still want to check that out. You've recommended it to me before. 
Um, and since, you know, we're throwing out recommendations, I'll also just throw out there. There is an Instagram called Well Read Black Girl, and they just post a lot of good book recommendations written by Black authors. So that might be something to check out. Maybe find a book that interests you that is written by, um, you know, a Black author to support around this time if you're interested in that. But I just also love following that Instagram in general. They're always posting good stuff. Yeah, that's a great idea. That was actually one of my New Year's resolutions was to read more books from minority authors. Yeah, so definitely check out Well-Read Black Girl. Yes, and then the article that Hannah referenced earlier from the New York Times, if you literally just Google New York Times 1619 Project, it comes right up and you can read more about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, is that everything? I think so. Well, hopefully, like like we said in the beginning of this podcast, it is more of a serious topic, but hopefully it introduces you to something new that you haven't heard. And from there, you can do a little bit more self-education. Um, but yeah, I mean, this stuff obviously is important to talk about just as much as the funny stuff. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast in our episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye.